It's like, oh shit, is this a missed opportunity? Yeah, I, that was the the first emotion I felt was uh, stupid. If that's an emotion, yeah. um, <laughs> South Korea. These are things that you think would be dead. Yeah. The uh, practice of eating dogs. Mm-hmm. They just banned dog meat trade in South Korea. Yeah, and then saw- finally, nearly twenty percent said a recent college graduate had brought a parent to a job interview. Twenty percent. <sighs> This one has a lot of hair. This one has a normal amount of hair. It's Pat and Alex. This one was born in Raytown. This one lives in Raytown. They opened a store in the pandemic, and this is a show about it. Hustle and bustle. Hustle and bustle. Hustle and bustle. Here is the show. I'm not good. I'm not good. Me not good. <laughs> Me no good. Oof. You ready? Yep. <clears throat> Hello and welcome back to Hustle and Bustle. I feel like my glasses are cockeyed. I'm Pat. I'm Alex. This is uh, everyone's favorite YouTube show. At least four of you are eagerly awaiting this every week. Yeah, we missed a week, so you're on the edge of your seat. For Make sure. that six of us together. So we're back. Uh, it has been, let's just talk real quick, dive into announcements. The weather sucks. I'm sorry, we're leading with it this time. Okay. But the pros and cons of owning a retail store in uh, a snowstorm. Pros, when you lose power, the store might have some. Yeah, that was a nice... Uh, this has happened twice now. Every time we've had inclement weather, our house has lost power for the entirety of the day, like 6 to 6, so 12 hours. Yeah. And we just come over here and get a little bit of work done, pop a movie in the VHS, and uh, just kind of wait it out. Did there are trash can-shaped snowmen in the parking lot? Was that your doing? That wasn't us. That was Colson and Katie. And they couldn't get you to come out and make snowmen? Did they come and do like the, do you want to build a snowman? No, we... Uh, That's wh- a missed opportunity. While we were here, they were, she was on a, a work call, and Colson was doing some work stuff, and then we had to go pick up food for our dogs uh, in the middle of the storm because we didn't get food and oh, so that while we were there they did the the snow so we just missed it but there you go caroline isn't one for playing in the snow i found not out. a big snow play person yeah kind of a bummer but. yeah um the cons of uh operating a uh retail store or something is one no sales yeah nobody yeah. comes in in bad weather i uh, you, there's a part of you that thinks everyone's out of school um when we have a bar that logic will apply yes um but most of the people who are out of school also like not the best drivers, don't have the best transportation. Probably staying home. Probably just staying home or yeah. going to the bar. When I was in college, going to the bar. But now, as we know, kids are drinking twenty percent less than they did when I was in it's college. True. So they're probably not going to the bar as much. Just sitting home smoking a bunch of weed. Um, but great time to go thrifting. Uh, cons: huge parking lot. Yeah, dude. Uh, <laughs> well, we got stuck in the middle of it. Uh, like, so we lost power. Came here. And Caroline's car is terrible in the snow. And we pull up and just in the middle of the parking lot, I was like, well, we're parking here. And we had to dig our way out. Yeah. Um, and so then it hit me. I was like, well, if we can't get in and out, customers won't be able to get in and out. Right. <laughs> and that's like our responsibility. And I'll be honest, like, our back, well, how many different terrains are in our back parking lot? I oh, mean, can you even, There's at least. I'm sure you can plow it. It would fuck it Shoveling up. it would fucking be a nightmare. Yeah. I uh, I tried to get out the snowblower. I don't know if you saw that. I didn't even know we had one. Or not snowblower. Uh, leaf blower. Yeah, <laughs> leaf I saw blower. the leaf blower. Yeah, I saw. I had the same idea in my driveway, but I didn't I didn't actually. It was too wet of a snow. Yeah. 
Um, I am nursing. If you see me grimace occasionally, I'm nursing a shoveling injury. Picked yeah. that up before I even got here, getting out of my own driveway. I'm proud of myself. I woke up and I purposefully warmed up and stretched because I knew I'd be shoveling. I used to tell my uh, rugby coach in college I can either warm up or I can play, but I can't do both. <laughs> and uh, it's finally coming back to bite me, that mentality. I think maybe I should start stretching before I do things like shovel. Um, it is Chiefs playoff season here in the kingdom, in the heart of the kingdom in Kansas City. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of more exciting because we have a game this weekend. It's way more exciting. Yeah. What uh, instead of sitting out, what was uh, uh, did you see your buddy Sam Sullivan's Chiefs commercial? Did you see that he contributed to one? Oh, a new one. Yeah. No, uh, I haven't had my phone for like the last couple of days. They did. Uh, uh, the Chiefs re- released like a hall. It's like a fake Hallmark movie. Uh, is how he described it. Awesome. And it was basically just like this woman. Uh, she had uh, a husband who was like didn't show up to the wedding because of a Chiefs playoff game. So now she doesn't like the postseason. So she's like a postseason Grinch. But she falls in love with somebody who loves the postseason. It's like in the Hallmark movie style. It's actually really well done. I thought it was hilarious. That's awesome. And I just saw on his like social media that he had contributed to it. And I thought it was dope. That's super cool. I'm going to check that out. Yeah. Mitch Holtis was, yeah, it was great. It was really good. You should check that out. Uh, Chiefs playoff season, though. It's kind of fun around here. Mm-hmm. So what are, you, are we going to win? Yeah. I say we, uh, we, we got the Dolphins. Yeah. Um, I, I think weather's going to be on our side. Yeah, it's on nobody's side. But yeah, tickets are cheap. Yeah. Well, dude, this reminds me the the one of the first times they made um the playoffs when we were in college. We it was a huge snowstorm, and as we were driving back, we were updating them live, and tickets were like six hundred. 500. <laughs> Just because the weather was yeah. good. Yeah. And like it, the forecast kept on getting worse and they got down to like 85 bucks a seat. Yeah. And so we, there were six of us and every time we'd get six seats together, like we'd hit checkout and somebody else had already purchased it. Yeah. So it was like, how fast can you refresh it? But then we purchased it and like three hours later, the storm turned and they jumped back up to like 400 bucks a seat. Oh, nice. Yeah. We, there was like this hour window where we caught you it. You were like riding the stock market for a second. Well, we were actually stuck on I-70 with nothing to do because of the snowstorm. Nice. So we were all on our phones. Um, but yeah, so same scenario. I'm not going to it. Fuck no. <laughs> I went I went last week and it was awesome. Uh, or to the Bengals game a couple weeks ago and it was awesome. But we were tailgating in our car just sitting there drinking and eating snacks <laughs> in our car because it was so fucking cold. Uh, but like... It used to be Lamar Hunt would come out and like he would famously like circle the parking lot or whatever and just like say hi to the people, you That's know, cool. be a man amongst the people. And so Clark does it now. So Clark was coming out and I didn't realize, but he was like right behind us, like 12 feet behind us. And we were in the car and, uh, uh, but then he, we were in the bougiest parking lot ever, and like I mean, he came. We were forty feet probably from the entrance to his stadium. Oh, and I was like, oh, that's great. He's doing his dead, and then he just went right back in. <laughs> like he just, he only made about forty feet from the entrance, and then was right back in. It was pretty cold though. So yeah, it's gonna be fucking cold out there. But people should go and get drunk and yell so that we beat the Dolphins. Yeah, it's a great time. I feel like everyone's confident that we'll beat the Dolphins. So am I. And then I get Terry after that. Um, let's uh, keep the cheese talk going. In that there's some news around the stadiums. Oh yeah. Okay. So the veil of mystery has been lifted, and the Chiefs and Royals have made it pretty clear. If you pass a three, if you extend the three eight cent sales tax, Jackson County. Mm-hmm. We're going to stay. Royals, we're going downtown. Chiefs, we're going to renovate at Arrowhead. And I think specifically they mentioned the Kansas City Star Building, or at least that. I love that, because then it's right off the highway. Like, that gives me a heart on. that's a huge 
space that like I don't think they're using that building in any capacity right now. No, I might be wrong, but I don't. It I, may have been converted somehow, but I don't. I don't think it's getting used. And isn't so, one of those giant glass windows like boarded up every once in a while too? Like that looks like that's a nice maybe. one. Yeah, so I, I'm excited. I think that's a great location. Um, it's going to be a pain in the ass for anybody living down oh there. Oh my like god, the traffic and congestion is going to be bananas. Um, but and then uh, the Chiefs would be. I think they would stay there and renovate the the whole complex. And turn it into what everybody's been speculating that they have, we're going to do for years, which is kind of what the Patriots renovated uh, up in, in, or invented, renovated, uh, made popular um, uh, in in creating a whole Patriots town, essentially. What if you had Zona Rosa, but it was all Chiefs themed and it was right next to the stadium? Well, that'd be fucking awesome. That'd be awesome. <laughs> so I think uh, this is like best case scenario. I'm yes. for it. I think the baseball is more fun when it's downtown. Yeah, and you give the Chiefs more real estate and cool shit. I'm all for that, and I'm all for them staying right there. So, do you think it'll pass? I guess is now the big question. Uh, I don't know. I really sounds I, like you'll vote for it. Yeah, I'll vote for it. Um, I mean, I know we talked about it a little bit in another podcast. The there's you know probably some sour voter. Uh, Opinions given yeah. the whole tax assessment or property assessment debacle. Uh, also, people who are going to the Jackson County Courthouse, have you seen this shit? Jen tried to do it recently with her mm-hmm. personal property taxes. People like have an issue with it or they're trying to get it settled. So here's the system. You go to the Jackson County Courthouse in Independence. You cannot make an appointment. Um, and uh, so you're supposed to text to get in line or call to get in line, and you can't call before 830 to get in line. And if you are like 10th in line, you have to like be there so like who knows if you're going to be third or 300th in line so you actually have to be at the courthouse kind of when you're calling so now anyone who needs to do this has to drive to the courthouse and they're all trying to get there by 8 30 jen did this called at 8 30 they said that they weren't uh open yet called at 8 31 and they were out of uh like you could no longer get in line all of the spots in line had been taken and she sat on hold for 45 minutes and i've seen this on reddit there's like lines of people hundreds of people standing outside the jackson county courthouse trying to get in to do some kind of business with the county and they can't and apparently looking in the comments this is like an everyday occurrence so i don't know what the fuck's going on in jackson county but like if you're a customer of jackson county right now there's no reason to be anything but pissed it feels like yeah yeah that's true um fuck i don't know it I'm always skeptical about you know giving the government more money. I yeah. don't really know too much about this tax. It's just I don't either. Been there. Uh, I feel like hey, we're already doing it. I'll keep doing it. It's like the thing we did in Raytown, right? Yeah. They they had this extension to get like new buildings and new amenities for the performing arts program and shit in Raytown, and it was like uh, a new tax. Raytown would never say yes to that. Oh, you mean we're already paying this? We just have to extend it. Ah, uh, fuck it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I hope this goes through. I hope the people vote for it. I hope Jackson County hires people that are competent and they fix shit and uh, everyone lives happily ever after. Do it for Raytown. Do it for Mahomes. Amen. Make it happen. Fruit Stripe Gum. Discontinued. Sad day. Yeah, sad day, um, but also... <laughs> You're happy? You're going to dance on Fruit Stripe's grave right now? Well, I have eaten plenty. Well, not eaten, chewed plenty of Fruit Stripe's gum, but... You know, they didn't make any. Here's the real failure of the Fruit Stripes empire. They didn't take any of their profits and reinvest it in R and D to make the flavor last more than eight seconds. Oh, just yeah, like it wasn't like if if they were like if we could get it to a minute, they they'd be king of the hill still because their flavor is tits. And I think they missed like uh, a a big opportunity with the whole retro 
uh, oh, coming yeah. back. I mean, it's a funky brand with like a zebra and funky colors. Like they probably could have done something. They they could have done the Stanley or the Croc and you know come back into uh, popular fashion. They just but. needed to be in one Lady Gaga video, and Fruit Stripes would have been back on top. Yeah. So R.I.P. to a gum that I thought had already died. So. <laughs> Um, South Korea. These are the things that you think would be dead. Yeah. The uh, practice of eating dogs. Mm-hmm. They just banned dog meat trade in South Korea. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if it's actually specifically eating and cooking, but the buying and selling and trading and distribution of dog meat. Oh, okay. So you can still like raise your own dogs and cook them if you want. Uh, yeah. I don't know. You want to homestead your own dog meat, you can. So, yeah, that's, I mean, I can guess. Can you hunt wild dogs? Is that still okay? Where are their wild... I don't know. South Korea, maybe. I'm just wondering how you can... So cooking the dog is okay. It's just how you ascertain the dog that you're cooking. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, it's like... It used to be like... Well, I, I thought it was gone. But it used to be like... There would be like dog meat facilities. And just like there's cows and chickens. That's like, true. It was dogs. It just, just smacks to me how different the world is. Yeah. Like people in South Korea, it sounds like for a long time, their parents told them it was okay to eat dog and prepared dog for them and fed it to them. So therefore, they all thought it was okay. Over here, our parents are like, you can't eat dogs. That's fucking, you're a horrible person. Yeah. Only, te- only the devil eats dogs. What's wrong with you? So we think it's the worst thing in the world. Are they any better? I don't know. Well, I, I mean, they changed, so. Although, yeah, we are. What about, was it Sung Woo? Was the, you remember the Korean Royals fan? What if it came out that BTS, all of them still eat dogs? Mm. I mean, they're rich and famous enough, I bet they do. Did they, they that's do a, it's a class want. thing, the yeah. richer you are, the more dog you eat. Um, Gen Z, you found an interesting article about Gen Z. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> you your self hatred. Are you Gen Z? We've talked about this. Yeah, I think we've I'm argued about you're Gen Z. So your self hatred for your own generation. Just uh surprisement, astonishment, maybe would be the better word. Uh so the title of this article is Some Gen Z <clears throat> Some Gen Z job seekers are bringing mom and dad to interviews and it's turning off employers new survey finds. It's like stepbrothers. <laughs> genuinely <laughs> um and i just like i i was like is this a just clickbait title and so i was reading it and dude some of the statistics in this survey are insane i just can't even fathom the thought what well, i got i i can guess i could get like a kid wanting a parent to come but as a parent like, what kind of mental gymnastics do you have to do to just be like, okay, I'll come. Yeah, that's... Here I come. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be there. This is a good idea. Like, I think for a few of my first jobs, my mom picked me up and dropped me off. Right. That makes sense. Um, but, okay, so here we go. More than half of the employers that were surveyed, which I think it was 800 companies, so managers from 800 different companies in the U.S., it's a lot. More than half of the employers said young recruits struggled to make eye contact during the interview. 50% said they asked for unreasonable compensation. Almost half of the employers said a young job candidate showed up with inappropriate attire. And then finally, nearly 20% said a recent college graduate had brought a parent to a job interview. 20%. So not 20% of people showing up, but managers who interviewed. So any probably you know anywhere between 5 and 20 people. 
twenty percent of them came with. I'm curious. Account. At what level of job is this? Are we talking like this is Morgan Stanley mortgage broker, or I don't even know what they do at Morgan Stanley, but this is some fancy pants white collar job, or is this at the Dollar General like? That's a good question. Shell stocking level. Um, because I mean, I guess it doesn't necessarily what is, what doesn't matter. matter. No, it doesn't matter. And, but I well, here's is the parent. It is. Are they in the waiting room and the kid goes into the office and has the interview on their own, or are they in the fucking interview, like in the chair next to the kid? Both are unacceptable. Okay. If you're a cashier or stalker, <laughs> that's the like. It's a. What? What do you? I don't know. It's even if it's like a super difficult job and you're stressed about like their performance in the interview. Don't show the fuck up. Right. And if it's a low stress, like easy job anybody can do, then it's even more embarrassing to show up. Because it's just like the number one negator, right? Like if someone needs an emotional support parent in an interview with us, like that's the first off, you try not to laugh the entire interview. Yeah. And then as soon as they leave, it's the only thing you talk about the rest of the day. Like if you've dealt with customers at all, <laughs> any job ever, you get the people that just suck. And, like, what well, your parent can't be there to deal with that. Like, yeah. I think that you grew up in an older home, like a more old school home, like a more analog home, a more 90s home than most of your sure. peers. We didn't have a, a game console till the Wii, and it was, like, eight years after the Wii had come out. Yeah. A lot and, of kids grew up on fucking Xbox. Yeah. Like, we didn't get phones. Like, I bought my first phone, and... That was the only reason I got it. Otherwise, I wouldn't have gotten a phone till high yeah. school. Yeah. Because I think, I mean, I, I, I empathized with everyone in that article for Gen, or every part of Gen Z for that article until it got to the parents. So, like, the shifty eyes or the eye contact or the attire, I was like, go fuck yourself, old people. Like, this is the generation you're dealing with. If you want to hire them, you've got to figure out how to deal with it. Yeah. Or hire around it. You know, that is what it is. But it's also not this generation's fault. They didn't come defected out of the factory that way. I say, I, I was uh, just talking with, we were, my girlfriend and I were discussing this article this morning, and everyone knows it, but every year we're going to find a new reason to be surprised about how much we fucked up, like, this generation covid and then post covid yeah as far as just socializing i think education. that's a that's an out I'm, that's an aaron Rodgers out like that like covid like, i'm not saying covid hasn't done something it's so weird like i feel like you know those people who this is a weird left turn but you know those people that are like uh slavery was 200 years ago like uh racism doesn't exist quit race baiting that's I feel that polary strong about it about people who still talk about fucking COVID, like stop being a victim of COVID still. If whether it's a vaccination thing or a separation thing, and I know that it fucked up education. Like I know that it did. I know it fucked up business, and I know that it's going to take a long time to get back on our feet. But like, at some level, don't you have to stop being a fucking victim of COVID? Well, yeah, I, I think when you're an adult, like the our kids, a lot of the, the Gen Z was going to be much less socially apt with or without COVID because yes. they live in screens more yes. than any other generation ever. But that was like us recognizing the problem. That was like if, if we rec if screens were the flu and then oh, that's a bad because it's a sickness, but it was like, we know these are bad and right. then COVID we just like 10 X it. Yeah. So like, it's, I, I, I'm not disagreeing with you. All of that is true, but I think 
I don't really hold a lot of people accountable until they're adults. And I, I think the, the people who had the biggest impact from COVID yeah. are still kids. Yeah. And, you know, like their lives, it wasn't like COVID ended and then things got back to normal for them. Like schools got tremendously worse. Yeah. So like their lives are now, I don't know. Like I, I my two younger brothers, they were both like seniors. It was in a really, for, you so you're probably it. in a way better perspective because like you were around people intimately that were in formative yeah. years and you saw how it affected them. We, we, there were many things about COVID for us that were positives. They were, I think in many ways that helped launch our business. Oh, I would agree with that. But like. I don't know. I, I do empathize a lot. Like, my brothers, I think, got affected a lot. That's right. And, yeah, I just, as these kids graduate college, graduate high school, and, like, enter the adult world, every year I think we're going to be surprised. Like, oh, Jesus Christ. Like, hello? Like, what do you mean? Like, make eye contact. Talk to me. I, I And maybe I, I don't, like, this is a weird thing because now we're talking about your family, but, like, there, is there a chance they would have a lot of similar problems? A hundred percent. If COVID didn't exist. Yes. And so, like, it's, I'm also on your side. Like, it's incredibly unhealthy to use it as, like, a blanket excuse. But, like, I think it's, if you had to, and it's, it doesn't necessarily matter. I mean, I think it does. I think it does matter. Because I think it takes, you know, uh, responsibility away from the fact that we just, it's a cultural problem. And we have no shared values anymore. And, like, this is a generational, like, snowballing effect. And COVID may have, like been a cliff that made the snowball like speed up but like this snowball was coming it wasn't like it didn't become a snow giant because of covid it just maybe got sped up i think you know what i mean yeah i mean and so i, I don't really know i don't want to get too nitpicky but yeah, what we disagree fair. is just how big that snowball got yeah that's fair that's fair that totally makes sense. Anyways, um that just it's wild that that is a phenomenon now. That's who we'll have to hire. Yeah. And, like, I, I think cool people come here. Like, people who get it. People who can socialize. And, like, everyone who's... We've had multiple high schoolers come and approach us, like, asking if we're hiring. Mm -hmm. And I would think, like, be able to have good conversations with all of them. Yeah. Like, they all seemed very socially apt. I will say that a lot of people in my generation, I think, forgot how to fucking... And this seems like a COVID thing, but I think it's also a social media thing. Yeah. Because... We pretend like we're hyper-connected. Like, I know what my buddy's doing, so I'm not going to call him and ask him what he's doing because that just feels empty. Like, I don't know. If you, if you lived pre-internet, you used to call your friends and ask them inane questions and figure out what their day was like. And that was kind of like a part of what you did. Jen still does it. Like, mm -hmm. she still lives in that world. Now, like, now you're on Facebook, and I, I already know what you did yesterday. I already know what you're up to. I already know if your kid won the game. I already know what's going on. So even asking you those questions, it, it was like a, it's a weird conversation to have. It's awkward. Yeah. So I think that even my generation was getting more and more isolated and lonely and weird, largely through social media and not through COVID. But I think COVID kickstarted it, too. And some of them don't know how to fucking talk. Like yeah. some people my age forgot how to fucking have small talk or car. I am way worse at it than I used to be. Yeah, I, I would argue that's probably the same for myself. Depending, like catch me on a good day or what the topic is. But right, yeah. Anyways, yeah, it's wild. Um, what else were we going to talk about? Oh, parking. All right. So this was a, a story, but Austin uh, is looking to be the largest city to basically do away with all parking uh, laws. Let me pull this up. This is one that's near and dear to our heart. Uh, around the country, cities are throwing out their own parking requirements, hoping to end up with less parking and more affordable housing, better transit, and walkable neighborhoods. 
So Austin to Anch- from Austin to Anchorage cities are doing this, and so it was a it was a thing when we moved in here. Like the number one like hurdle that gets thrown up in front of you when you're starting a business is parking, and if somebody doesn't like the business you want to start, or there's any like if anybody wants to throw up a hurdle or like tamp down your idea or pee in your cereal about the business you want to open, it's usually parking is the lever with which they do it. Um, so like. To give an example, like the bank or the we used to be the bank behind us, now the water company. When we have events, they have a hundred spots, one hundred and fifty. I don't know how many spots they have of seventy eight something. It's a lot, but it's eighty percent full, a hundred percent of the, or I mean, eighty percent empty, a hundred percent of the time. Yeah, when it's not ninety nine percent empty, but. We were told by the city um, person who was in charge of it at one point that we couldn't rent spots from them because they didn't have enough to give out because it's based on the square footage of inside your building, even though there's never any more than 20 people in that building at any given fucking time ever. Yeah. Suffice it to say that like it is this huge cudgel parking it is and um, it just seems to like be a um, uh, a preventative measure, a wall, a hurdle, a thing that you have to get over to open a business that is deterring you know, cities, and this one, Austin, and others seem to be figuring it out. Yeah, it's hurting cities, especially those that are landlocked or, you know, dimensionally locked like Raytown. Like, we can't expand. All right. we can do is condense. And, um, yeah, I'm all the way for it. It's like a weirdly unique American problem because we're so car-centric. Right. And more, you know, uh, so SUV-centric. Like, our cars are massive. Right. And so we don't just need parking we need dedicated parking buildings and spaces for our massive vehicles yeah um so like for austin to do it it's just going to take a long time but i think it's the right move yeah as uh i I think because we talked about it a little bit i think kansas city should move in that direction but we lag really far behind in public transportation well, I mean, this is future crazy talk, but like yeah. the Rock Hill, I mean, ever since Ryan Meyer said it, that this Rock Island Trail was supposed to be from trails to trains again, or where the trails to rails. Yeah. So there's like a, another phase that no one talks about that they're supposed to turn these trails back into like passenger rail, which that sounds amazing. Yes. If you had that interconnected throughout the city, connecting to this larger one uh, streetcar that the city is now building, that would be the coolest thing ever. What is that? generations away we'll never experience it but that sounds really neat yeah um but even just zooming back like all right downtown lee summit seems to me like i think it's the coolest place on earth Mm -hmm. i used to go there 15 years ago and drink when i was in my early 20s and it was not a cool place to drink it was not a cool place to be nothing there was trendy or hip or cool it was just a suburban little downtown yeah now it's fucking like crazy it's popping you can't park down there because every business is ridiculous i would love to know what people's rent would be 15 years ago in the same spot that it is now commercially there i bet it's it's yeah so i don't know higher yeah i know people's houses have exploded um so like i don't know worst case scenario for raytown would seem to be that your parking is as congested and unavailable as downtown lee summit is and that just seems like a good problem seems like something to strive for right (laughs) not be fearful of yeah um anyways uh so i thought that was cool and then uh lastly let's talk we've talked a little bit about this but we've had a a a guy who's come in and done jackson um he's a young kid martin city thrifts um really ambitious um he's basically gone all online with his classes at avila so he can you know shop shop and hustle and do this reselling thing so he, he resells online he resells 
like to, to traditional channels like Depop and shit like that where you like upload it there's a market there people buy it from you but also just like Snapchat like yeah. he's got a lot of people that follow him that are on Snapchat and he puts his clothes out and they buy it from him then he sells consignment in our store he crushed in December like yeah. over a thousand dollars he did in December in our mm-hmm. store which is you know like half of what we did all of December last year in our store <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know so like it was a big number and it kind of staggered us a little bit um, and now January is a really bad month for retail Detail, um, for a lot of reasons and weather doesn't help it so like you know those numbers aren't ringing in right now for january mm-hmm. but let's extrapolate that out to a good month that's all we can keep doing in our in our minds is like oh shit is this a missed opportunity yeah I, that was the the first emotion i felt was uh, stupid if that's an emotion yeah. um because it, for the last three years we've been cornering uh, I wouldn't say cornering, um, like uh, aligning ourselves with thrift and affordable clothing and sustainable fashion, um, which we still align with and love and are going to pursuing that. But for the first time in like three years, the question mark popped up in my head. Should we look into diving in uh, to more higher end vintage, nicer clothing at a more market price instead of like a, a thrift store price? Um and so then we, I don't know, from there we just started questioning, should we have more consignment? Should we dive into having more? I'll try to do this concisely, but I think like our, the first thing we sold was China, right? Like the first, yeah. it was a dining set. But I think other than that, we got into it the same way most people do. You go buy some clothes at the bins. You did, Well, we were buying clothes and then we discovered the bins pretty quickly. And that was, all right, this is where everyone must buy this shit. Yeah. Um, and then let's get the best stuff we can from here. And then we were like, all right, we're selling it. And I think everyone starts doing that. And then what a lot of people do, we went, we decided, all right, we're going to go brick and mortar or we want to stay buying shit for less than two bucks Yeah, and see how much of it we can sell. So let's try to go volume of how much we can sell with less than two bucks to keep our risk low because we don't have much. We don't have no money to lose at the time. Right. All yeah. the only money we had to lose was the 80 bucks we were willing to spend on clothes to get started. Yeah. Um, what a lot of people do is say, "All right, if I can spend you know fifty cents on something and sell it for ten bucks, what if I spell spend five bucks on something and can I how much can I sell it for then?" We never went down that road. Yeah, At, we chose not to, and we like intentionally didn't go down that road. We kind of had blinders on for about three years doing that. And you're right; it was it was mostly cash flow, I guess, prohibited. Like if you can buy thirty things that you know you can't sell. We, you can't resell all of them for 50 bucks, but you can resell all of them for 300% profit, then that's a that's a high margin, low cash flow like way to start the business. And we I think it's all brick and mortar. If we had not chosen to open this place, this is uh, what that's we, true. We, our first calculations were like, oh, that's $2,000 in overhead. Now it's like $4,500 a month in overhead. Yeah, out of all of the vintage vendor vent vendors in Kansas City we probably have some of the highest overhead <laughs> so that's between two thousand to five thousand dollars a month in overhead in th- times 36 months of mistakes or you know chances that we didn't take because we couldn't mm-hmm. um, anyway that's how we ended up here but now we've been here where there's also benefits while there's some opportunity cost to not you know going brick and mortar and not being able to take those chances there's also some opportunity and equity gained in doing that yeah like so i I was just literally thinking before we started recording if uh someone were to write a book about gnarly hustle you know at 50 years down the road when it was we'd just been around that long when no one knows what a book is yeah exactly (laughs) um 
they would just it, it would it would be like the beginning of the book, but it would simply just talk about how within five years they went from selling at a flea market to owning a store and bar. Yeah, they wouldn't say within a year they went from popping up and wanting to open a bar and then spent four years trying to open the bar and then getting it open. Yeah, they would just like highlight the impressive nothing to something, something in five years. Right. <laughs> so like while. <laughs> specific things are taking a long time as mm-hmm. a whole i feel like we're still on an impressive track but i'd also just say like i mean just like we would have more money in our bank account if we never had a brick and mortar but i you know people wouldn't be coming to us wanting to sell clothes in our store and being able to make a thousand dollars like that we wouldn't have that opportunity or value if we were still nomadic like everybody else mm-hmm. we have something nobody else has to offer and something that we just come to realize is we have square footage here we have square footage here we have people coming here we are now in the black by operating here mm-hmm. um and with our square footage, if we were to take every inch of rack and just make it consignment top-end vintage, which is what we now have with two consigners, and we're going to have a third coming in January, at the end of January. Yep. If we did that, we would have the largest uh, true vintage uh, store in Kansas City by far. Yeah. And it wouldn't take long to be able to convert, we don't think, largest to best. Um, yeah. We're, and, we're, we're good at moving things into being great and and like so the re- like when we first started we thought vintage was the way that like vintage has been in our brand from the beginning it's been a you know it's painted on the fucking building it's been in our marketing yeah but we felt more honest we had an identity crisis pretty quickly on from when we opened the store it was obvious we couldn't claim we were a vintage store because people go to wanting the things that they expect to see at like reset or daisy lee or these other places and we we didn't have that because we weren't willing to spend more than 52 cents to two bucks an item yeah so it was identity crisis. We pivoted to throwback thrift, and now we're having identity crisis because we've fallen in love with the concept of thrift store bar. Mm-hmm. That we're like, all right, what about vintage? And so now the identity crisis is well, we really like where we're at with thrift. That feels right. Yeah, we think thrift is lasting. Vintage feels like a bubble. A mm-hmm. hundred dollar used T-shirts didn't exist ten years ago. It's hard to imagine them existing ten years from now. They fucking exist right now. So can we? maintain an identity as a throwback thrift store while also taking advantage of the fact that you can sell used t-shirts for a hundred dollars at the same time you know what i mean and like still maintain like an identity and like um uh the kind of place that when we open a bar it will make sense and we'll be able to grow in the direction we want yeah i I was gonna say is gonna say it's not just balancing the the thrift vintage high-end or sustainable um branding but then also intertwining that with a bar and so now you're do i want a bunch of 19 to 21 year old young men in here or a bunch of 37 year old women in there drinking wine like or mm-hmm. and can those coexist can i how does the marketing work to those i, I don't know yeah so it's it, it suffice to say like it's we know what gnarly hustle is and like we've, we've i think we've done a good job of building a building in that image uh but i, I we still have i guess a long ways to go yeah to figure out what it is yeah so i don't know um yeah we're just Trying to figure out an identity crisis around like what we want to do because there is an opportunity. I, there's no doubt we're going to grow in the consignment space. Yeah, and we're going to have. Uh, I think. I, I think we're going to end up in a spot where we're going to try to become the best vintage spot in Kansas City that is also a thrift store. And so, like from a, a 
a business standpoint, like if you are a nerd about entrepreneurial shit um, and running a business in a store, so like we, we've broken down the numbers and each piece of clothing takes about 10 minutes to process uh, the way we purchase, organize, wash, sell, price, and hang clothes. Um, and so there are certain categories like within our store that we would make more money as things stand right now and at the current rate of people with a few of our categories per like uh, foot of rack space than we would uh, if we did consignment. But filling a rack, like for example, um, you know, if we have 10 items, that's 10 minutes on item, that's 100 minutes of work for 10 items of clothing, making, you know, uh, maybe like 20% more than consignment, which would be zero minutes of work. Right. So, like, it's like balancing. It's not zero, which is a fool's errand because we haven't yes. gone that direction. There's there's definitely time that will go into managing 100%. consigners that we haven't. But it's a fraction of what it takes to manage, like, your own inventory. Right. And uh, there's a lot of benefits to that, especially once we open a bar. Right. Uh, like, decreasing... And it's like that that ties into like our whole branding and image portion is how much time do we want to spend on the business in the bar or in the clothing store that will translate into like how much marketing are we doing? Mm -hmm. You know, how much are we pushing out on social media as far as imagery or events? Mm -hmm. And, you know, that that'll change the demographic of who sees our stuff online and who comes in. And so we get more for our bandwidth, which has been like. It seemed like the only way to get anywhere so far has been to like basically give away your bandwidth, and now there's an opportunity where we might be able to like make a conscious decision to get more for our bandwidth. Which is why we started with the store so early. Yeah, is like if you want more for your bandwidth, you got to in the future you got to have a place where people can come and do work in your space. You got to own the market, right? Just like if you want to. Google does more. They don't create every single app that's on the App Store. Apple right. doesn't create every app that's on the App Store. They just facilitate from which the transactions are done. Right. So you know we're building a space where that can happen on a smaller scale. Right. A hundred percent. I. It's. It makes a lot of sense to me. It's just how do we do it right? Because we yeah. want. I mean, sick, sick clothes in here. Clothes that I never thought we would carry are in our racks right now. Clothes that like feels cool. It. It. It, it does feel cool, and it's good to be. Able, it makes. I, there will be more stories on our social media when I have something that like inspires me to put it out. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it, and it, it will feel better, and it will penetrate and go farther. Um, uh, so that's really awesome. But I also really love people coming in here and feeling like they're getting a deal. And I don't like. I like to be able to go on social media and say "fuck inflated thrift" because yeah. we have uninflated thrift. Now mm-hmm. we've got some fucking drippy vintage that's expensive yeah <laughs> but i think there's a line between inflated thrift and like true vintage yep um and so it just you know it is what it is but like i, I think that i think that both feel good and i just want people to know that you can still come in here and find something way cheaper than you would find at red racks that is a fucking nice piece of clothes yes and you but you could come in here and if you're gonna pay 90 dollars for it here it ain't gonna have like a chili stain on it like it would at red racks yeah I say we're still we'll still be throwback thrift. We love sustainability. We're still poor, so we want to sell to us. <laughs> yes, and and also like a hundred percent. So we don't want to lose that. But also like, it, at least n- nowhere. There's two things that excite the shit out of me so far. Like at least right now, 
I'm an excitable person. In the moment, there's two things that excite me. There's nowhere that I have ever been as a pothead who likes to drink that where I could order a beer legally and light a blunt in the same place in America and experience that. And the fact that we can deliver that and market it here excites me. I don't know of a place, and I'm not saying that we're going to go in this exact direction, but I want a 2XL Chiefs vintage uh, uh, crew neck because I'm going to the game tomorrow or I'm going to a Super Bowl party tomorrow. I'm going to go to a vintage store with a reasonable expectation that I will not just find one, but a choice of multiple of those. Yeah, That doesn't exist at Wyco, at Reset, at uh, what's the one that's going crazy with fucking Taylor Swift right now? Um, over on the West Side West Side West Story. Story. It doesn't exist in any of those places. So the concept that you could walk in, say, I need a band tee in one X and have a choice or in like in your size and know you're gonna have a choice of them. Mm-hmm. But that is, at least as far as we can calculate, one hundred percent achievable if we were to dedicate enough yeah. square footage to it. Yeah. And like that excites me too. That those are like two things that don't seem to exist in or seem to be like uh really cool bells or whistles like in our space you wouldn't be talking crazy if you if the objective would be a store that travis kelsey would want to come shopping would be describing that where if 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 he knew that he could come in and browse every type of uh you know what's in fashion category in his size right his cut that's that's a that's a unique experience. Well, that's a fun trip to go down, and maybe it's too egotistical. It feels insecure already, but like, we, it, it, I think that it becomes a place where they would rent, right? Like, I want to do a private shopping and fitting thing, but I want to walk around and not be seen by normal people. Like, Fred Clark used to go to Wyco Vintage, and they'd have him hold up the bag, you know. And like, yeah. any time a Cole Harbin or somebody would go into reset, they'd have him hold up the bag. I think Travis Kelsey's past that part of his life where he wants to go hold up a bag anywhere. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I think you could get to a point where like. You could do private shopping events because your shit is so cool and your space is so cool. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, I think that it starts to open other things up. Yes. Like, Travis Kelsey could come to our store. He was never coming to our store. But if we spread this quality across corner to corner, it's going to be a lot more realistic that he could come into our store. It's a whole thing of uh, comedians that I listen to where they'll discuss restaurants in local places that they like to go, but they always bleep it out because whenever they talk about something... It, it gets blown it gets up. Pot, yeah, and then they don't enjoy going there anymore. Yeah. I would love to be a place where they bleep it out. Yeah, you'd love to be a bleep be- out place. When they, 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 they're like, hey, I'll be here. You guys open at 11. We'll be there at 10. Yeah. And I'll be like, okay. Or like, you guys close at 8. We'll be there at 8.30. I'll be like, okay. Jackson Mahomes, you're welcome in here too, buddy. I mean, I think he got he got acquitted. I think they dropped it. Well, I think any, you can get acquitted for anything with enough money. That's true. Well, and you can also buy clothes here with enough money. So <laughs> the invitation stands. I don't know. Yeah, uh, we'll be controversial. Yeah, we'll anyone be- from the Mahomes family is welcome in this fucking building, and I am not going to apologize for it. Understood? All right. Get I won't it? apologize for it either, but I won't <laughs> like it. <laughs> Go, cheese. Amen. Peace.